Marriage Life Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Today is our last message on this topic of the second coming of of Christ, and I had... uh, as I stated before, the idea behind all of these messages that we were going to be talking about was not so much about the timeline of events, you know, uh, where, you know, people got all their charts and their graphs and they're, you know, making all these predictions about all kinds of stuff. But I really wanted to focus more on Jesus Christ, his coming, what he's going to be doing, um, you know, what we should be expecting in his coming. And I said that uh, last week, that uh, this last message, I wanted to talk about when will Jesus return, right? Like that's always been the big, uh, big topic of discussion. When are all these things uh, going to happen? And in fact, this has been a, a topic of, of much debate amongst uh, believers, even since uh, Jesus was on, on the earth. Uh, and he talks about Matthew 24 and in Luke 21, which we know is the Olivet Discourse that our Lord gives out these things about his return. And it all stems from a question that the disciples asked. And they said, Lord, when will these things be? And ever since that time, people have been trying to figure out when will these things be. And there's lots of varying viewpoints of end-time theology. Um, But I really want to focus our attention this morning on what was Jesus trying to say to his disciples. Those last few moments that he had with them, the teaching that he had with them, what was he trying to say? What was he trying to get across to them? What was he trying to convey? And I think uh, that is what is important and not trying to figure out the the day or the hour of uh, when these things are going to happen, which is really not our privilege to know. So let's look at this question that has sparked several discussions as to when will Jesus return? Uh, Here in Luke 21, uh, verse number 5, it says, And while some were speaking of the temple, here's Jesus walking, uh, they're showing him the temple, the grandeur of it all. Uh, This is the second temple. It says, And while some were speaking of the temple, how it was adorned with noble stones and offerings, he said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And they asked him, Teacher, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when these things are about to take place? And so it begins with this question. In Matthew 24, we see the words, What will be the end of the age? Or when, when are these things going to be finished and everything's going to come to an end? And it's interesting when Jesus is talking here, I believe he's giving two prophecies about things that are going to happen. One, he talks about the destruction of the temple, uh, the second temple, Herod's temple there, and he says all of it's going to be destroyed. And it actually did happen in 70 AD. Uh, the, the Roman army came in, uh, they had a war with the, with the Jews there, and they destroyed the temple, completely destroyed it, leveled it. Uh, there's not been a temple there now uh, since then. But then he also talked about his second coming, when he's going to come. And so there's, there's, these, there's this dual prophecy there. And the disciples are asking him, Lord, when are these things going to happen? When are these things going to be? And I think the key to understanding this passage here in Luke 21 and the one that we find in Matthew 24 
is that there are three ages that are presented to us in Scripture. Okay, so when they ask him, they say, when is the end of the age going to be? When is this going to all finish up? When is it all going to be over with? And so we find these three ages in Scripture. There's, first of all, the ancient age that we find from the beginning of creation to the flood. And uh, that age lasted about 2,000 years. And uh, God brought judgment upon the world, wiped out the entire world, uh, except for Noah, his family, eight souls that were saved there on the ark. And then we have here uh, the second age, which was the Jewish age from the beginning of Abraham to the apostles. And that age has lasted about uh, 2,000 years as well. And it came to an end with the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., and we find that uh, during that time, uh, there was millions of Jews that were massacred. Uh, there was a big war that happened, and it's exactly what Jesus said, that the, the temple would be destroyed. Uh, not one stone would be left upon another. And then from that time, now we have this thing of the age of the Gentiles, and it's mentioned for us in Luke chapter 21, verse number 24, and he says, they will fall by the edge of the sword, they'll be led captive among all nations, Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And so we have this age of the Gentiles, and we right now are living in the age of the Gentiles. And this so far has lasted about 2,000 years as well. So we have a span of about 6,000 years of human history uh, that has happened. And we are fastly approaching a climatic point in time now where uh, I believe that... Uh, Things are going to happen. God is at work. God is moving. Um, you know, we are living in last times. We've been living in last times since Jesus Christ has ascended to heaven, but that was over, well, over 2,000 years ago. And, um, you know, I believe that it's nearing the end, as signaled uh, a lot by what we look in uh, history about uh, the Jews becoming a nation again. Does anybody remember when that was? When? Uh, the Israel became a nation again? 1948. You were close. All right? We'll give you a consolation prize. But, uh, so 1948, uh, that's when uh, Israel became a nation again. Uh, the Jews began moving back there. Um, and then, uh, remember, anybody knows what happened in 1967? It's called the Six-Day War, right? Uh, that is when Israel was able to take back all the land that they originally were given. And that has been the case even to now. They have their land that was originally given to them. And so I believe we're fastly approaching this climax. Second uh, Peter 3, 7 and gives us this thing about uh, the destruction of the earth and when Jesus Christ is going to return. It says, By his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. And so through these passages, Matthew 24, Luke 21, I believe that it's very clear that our Lord is trying to warn um, his disciples about the impending judgment that 
eventually did happen in 70 AD. And, uh, but I also believe Jesus' message was intended as a warning for us as well as believers who are living in this last age, the age of the Gentiles, to listen up, uh, know what he's talking about, be aware of what he's talking about, take to heart his words of what he says, uh, because we are living in this last hours before the great tribulation and in the last days before judgment of God is going to be poured out upon this earth. And so here's what I would like for you to take away with you today. I may not know the when, but I can be prepared for when it happens. I'm not going to know the hour, the day, the time. A lot of people have tried to figure that out. Uh, the one guy who was a NASA scientist who wrote 88 Reasons Why Jesus Christ is going to return in 1988, right? That didn't happen, so he changed it to like 86 and then 90 and then 94. Well, he died in 2001, right? <laughs> so he's gone, right? So, um, but we may not know the when, but we can be prepared for when Jesus Christ is going to to return. So let's look at a few things. And as I look through this passage of Scripture here in Luke 21, there's some very important things that our Lord tells us about His return, even though we may not know the when, but we can be prepared for it. And I want to give you those things here this morning. So let's take notice here. Let's walk through some of these verses here in Luke chapter 21, uh, beginning in verse number 8. Uh, Jesus says, And see that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, the time is at hand, do not go after them. When you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Um, you know, there's a lot of interesting things that are going on in our world today. Um, I just read that uh, there there are um, uh, uh, Chinese uh, uh, warships or Chinese uh, um, submarines that are floating off the coast of uh, down there. I think it's in uh, either Alaska or um, Hawaii area. So they're there. There's been a lot of talk of, you know, are we going to go to war with China? You know, China's our enemy, all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, China's threatening Japan. You know, there, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things that are brewing in our, in, our, uh, in our world today. But he says, hey, don't be terrified that because, you know, the time is at hand. Don't go after them. You know, and people are saying, come in my name. I am he. Don't be terrified of these things because he says, these things first must first take place, but the end will not be at once. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be great earthquakes in various places, famines, pestilences, and there'll be tears of great signs from heaven. Uh, I don't know if you've been following what's been going on over there in the Canary Islands just recently. Um, a huge volcanic eruption that has happened there, um, all caused by earthquakes. Uh, they had, they've been having earthquakes over there in Australia. They said they, they had some in Australia that were very rare. Uh, even over the past uh, couple months, there's been uh, huge, large rains that have been pouring down, uh, things going on. I mean, what is going on, right? It seems like the whole earth is being shaken uh, at all this time. But notice what he says here. He says there's going to be earthquakes, nation rising against nation, famines, pestilences, there will be tears, great signs from heaven. But before all this, 
They will lay your hands on you, persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues, prisons. You'll be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Now, was he talking about this generation? Or was he talking about the, the, uh, the disciples there? I believe that the disciples went through great persecution uh, before that, uh, that destruction of the temple there in 70 AD. That's why I believe this is a, uh, a dual prophecy here. Um, he talks about here um, in uh, verse 16, you'll be delivered up by your parents, brothers, relatives, friends, some of you, uh, they will put to death. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake. But not a hair on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation has come near. Uh, that's one thing about uh, Jerusalem. It has been um, been attacked several times. Uh, there was just a thing that just got passed by the uh, House of Representatives about the uh, the Iron Dome. Uh, that uh, there were some people that wanted to skip the funding for uh, Jerusalem, Israel's Iron Dome, which is a protection for Israel. And they said, "No, we don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to put money towards this." But it did pass. America is still giving money towards uh, Israel to uh, to our ally uh, Israel there to protect them. And there were some people that were very upset that we gave money to Israel. You know, um, There are many enemies that uh, Israel has. And he says, when you see Israel surrounded by all these enemies, he says, you know uh, that its desolation has come near. Uh, then he talks about this thing about uh, verse uh, 24. They will fall by the edge of the sword, be led captive among all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Uh, then he talks about verse 25, and there will be signs in the sun and moon and stars on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves. And he says, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heaven will be shaken. Um, and so there's a lot of these things that, uh, that our Lord talks about that are going to happen before the end of the age has even come. And, uh, you know, we can look around and we can kind of speculate and we can say, well, is this this? Is this that? Is this this? I don't know. But I will tell you, there has been a lot of strange things that have really ramped up over in the past couple of years. Have they not? So I can't tell you if this is exactly the end, but what's important is that we are prepared uh, for all of that. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.3, Paul writes, While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, they will not escape. Um, when my wife um, was pregnant, and uh, I remember the due date of Evelyn was uh, November uh, 22nd, and uh, I believe this might have been November 20th, maybe 21st, I can't remember. All those days just kind of seem to mush together when you're around that time, uh, right before your wife has a baby. And uh, I remember my wife was like, okay, uh, I, you know, I don't feel anything yet, but hey, you know what? We're getting really close. That her due date is supposed to be the twenty second, and uh, there was a there was a day I can't remember if it was the twentieth, the twenty first. But she's like, oh, I I think I'm feeling the contractions coming on, and she goes, let's let's go to the hospital. And uh, where the hospital was, where she was going to have the baby, it was about a 30, 35 minute drive. 
And she's like, you know, let me just get my things together. You know, she's getting this, getting that, putting this together, getting it all in the car. And, well, hey, I thought this was supposed to be like one of those like, oh, get me to the hospital now, you know. And she's just like, oh, just take me to the hospital. You know, so we drove her to the hospital. Goes, she goes, you know what, before we go, why don't we stop over here at the, uh, I think it was a Panera Bread. She goes, why don't we stop at Panera Bread, get a little something to eat, you know, because I don't want to be in the hospital that long and not have anything to eat, you know. So we ate leisurely, you know, and I'm thinking, wow, this pregnancy thing is all right, you know, no big deal. And uh, we go to the hospital, they check her out, and they go, you aren't ready, go back home. What? Boy, I tell you what, it was a wake-up call. I remember lying in bed there, I can't remember what time it was, might have been three, four o'clock in the morning, and all of a sudden, my wife is shaking. <laughs> and I'm thinking, man, is she cold? Here, here's some blankets. <laughs> But all of a sudden, the labor pains come upon her, and she's not escaping it. And it's exactly what happened. I mean, we go to the hospital, and they're like, okay, you know, you're in labor. And that's exactly what those contractions do, right? They come in waves. They, you know, up and down. And then those contractions start getting quicker and closer together. And uh, that's exactly what Scripture teaches us about before our Lord's return, that these things are going to be happening quicker and closer together, more rapidly quicker and faster together uh, before his return. And so while people are saying, peace and safety, everything's fine, don't worry about it, he says, watch out because destruction will come upon them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. And so is this what we're supposed to be worried about? Are we supposed to be consumed with these things of, oh no, China has nuclear weapons. Oh no, there's another person over there in the crazy world over there that's hoarding nuclear weapons they might fire on us is that what we're supposed to be concerned about is that what we're supposed to be so wrapped up in about these types of things i don't think so because we're not supposed to be uh we're not supposed to be brought down uh with all these uh things and talks of you know this is the end of the world and oh no chaotic events happening no jesus christ is returning folks i mean he's coming back that's something that's our great hope that we have to look forward to and so our lord is trying to tell us these things to warn us to help us to be prepared and we see things going on we don't know where the wind but we can be prepared and so jesus gives us these help things. And I got a few things here right out of scripture that I think we can apply them to our life about we may not know the when, but we can be prepared uh, for when it does happen. So here they are. Look at Luke 21, verse number 28. Now, when these things begin to take place, what does he say to do? Straighten up. What things is Jesus talking about? Well, it's obvious he's talking about persecution, distressing signs of heaven, fear from natural catastrophes, so forth and so on. He tells us, what should we be doing? He says, we need to straighten up. Now, when I think of somebody, and he says straighten up, I think of somebody who's, you know, slouched over. They're, uh, they, they, may, they may have been enduring a lot of difficulties in life. Stand up, straighten up, right? Um, 
And you think about people that may have been beaten down. In fact, in Daniel chapter 7, which is a prophecy about our Lord's return, Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, speaking of during the end times, it says this, He, Satan, shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. He's going to wear you out. And so he's telling us, straighten up. When you start to see these things, straighten up. The saints may be worn down, but I like how what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 11. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about in the body the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus. Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So don't be beaten down. Don't take all this stuff and just say, oh man, this life is is just so horrible. I I don't know how we're going to be able to continue. Jesus says, straighten up. Straighten up when you start to see these things. Look at the second thing here. He tells us to look up. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Verse 31, so also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Look up. And if we're looking up, if we're lifting up our heads, that means our eyes are looking towards the heavens. Listen, when the world starts getting you down, when everything starts taking place, things are just, it seems like there's just chaos going on. I mean, we think stuff that's been going on in the past couple of years is bad, you know? Just you wait. He says, look up. Put your eyes on what's important. Jesus Christ, his return. Be looking towards the clouds. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From when shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Jesus gives an illustration here, uh, verse 31. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. And look at this illustration that he gives here. He tells us here, but uh, he says, verse 29, he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out and leaf, you see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Now there's not some mystical thing about a fig tree here. He's not saying like, oh hey, you got to look at the, the, the message of the fig tree and you got to be in tune with the fig tree. He's not saying that at all. He's just giving an illustration. He's saying, you know when summer's coming because the fig tree, the leaves start putting forth its leaves. The the fig tree starts putting forth its leaves. You know that summer is near. We know that harvest is near because when you drive by the cornfields, they're not green anymore. What color are they? Brown. Right? We know harvest is near. We know it's about time. But he says when you see these things, you know that it's getting close. He says, look up. And Jesus says we can look up because we see that our redemption is drawing close as we see the signs that Jesus is talking about. And, uh, you know, Jesus is coming back soon. It's almost time for the consummation of the kingdom of God. Look what he says in verse 27. 
He says, and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And so we can be looking up. We can be looking forward to uh, what is going to be happening. We should be looking the expectancy of Christ's return. Here's the third thing. Keep your guard up. Look at verse 34. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. You know, we need to live in these last days on guard against the schemes of the devil. Do you know Satan is working overtime now? I mean, you, you thought he was working hard. He, he's really working overtime now. And he doesn't really care about the people that do not know him, right? He's, his main goal is to wear out the saints. His main goal is to be accusing. He's the accuser of the brethren is what uh, Scripture teaches us. And we need to be on guard against his schemes. We don't need to be trapped or be taken in advantage by what Satan is doing. So we need to keep our guard up. 1 Peter 5.8 reminds us, Be of sober spirit, be on alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. You don't need to be a lion's lunch. You need to make sure that you're keeping your guard up at all times. Be aware of what is going on. Um, and so you need to keep your guard up. Keep close watch over yourself and your soul. Look at this fourth thing. Sober up, but watch for yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. You see, since we are living in the last days, we're living in a very critical time in life. Our enemy is fighting hard. And what's the difference between someone who is drunk versus someone who is sober? A person who is sober is on the alert. They know what's going on. But the, the person who's drunk is, you know, doing this number. He can't walk. He can't think straight. Can't talk straight. Can't do anything, right? And so God's word tells us that we need to be sober. He tells us here, don't let yourselves be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. Now, he's not talking about having a few beers or not having a few beers here. He's talking about your spiritual health. Don't be drunk. Be alert. Make sure you know what you're doing. In fact, God tells us eight times in the New Testament to be sober. It means to be circumspect, to be calm, collected, using sound judgment at all times. Uh, and so we're supposed to be on guard, and we should be uh, sober in all of this. Here's the fifth thing. Watch for yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. Don't be weighed down with the worries of life. Lighten up. What do we need to lighten ourselves of? The worries of life. It seems to be a big one that we all deal with. The things that we worry about, things that we have in our life that weigh us down. These are weights which hinder us and slow us down. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. What weights are keeping you, what weights are keeping me from running the race that God has given me to run with endurance? There are many things. They don't have to be sinful things. They could be very legitimate, practical, good things. But if they're weighing us down, 
They're keeping us from doing what we're supposed to be doing in the end times. And uh, so if there are these things in our life that are keeping us from living out God's purpose, then we need to get rid of it. We need to lay it aside. You're running a race. Uh, you never saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. Right? Doesn't exist. Doesn't happen. Okay? So we need to lay aside the things that are hindering us. Here's the sixth thing. Verse 34 and 35. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell in the face of the whole earth. And we need to wise up. Be very wise. Because look what he says here. You need to watch yourselves. Don't be sober, right? Cast off that weight. He says... And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all who dwell in the face of the whole earth. Did you ever set a trap in your life before? How many of you ever set a trap and got caught in the trap? <laughs> right? okay. When I was a kid, my grandpa made this thing for me. It was really neat. It was an outhouse that had, the, had, uh, had four sides and had a roof. And it had a door on it, okay? And inside the outhouse, it was a mouse trap, okay? And the way that it worked is when you pulled the door open to this little outhouse, it would spring that, that mouse trap, and they, there was little wooden blocks that were glued on all the sides. And when it hit that, it lifted up the whole sides of the, the outhouse and the roof. So it was supposed to be like a surprise thing. You'd be like, hey, open up this little door here and see what's inside there. You know, and you start pulling it, and then it goes boom. You know, it just happens all of a sudden. What's what our Lord here is trying to tell us? He's talking about this trap. And he says, when the trap comes, the steel jaws slam shut, right? You're not going to get away from it. It happens so quickly. That's exactly what our Lord is trying to tell us about his return. It's going to happen so quickly. He says, as lightning comes from the east to the west, so visibly, it lights up the entire sky so quickly. It happens in a moment. He says, don't be caught in a trap, right? So you need to be very wise in what you're doing. And the trap is to those people who have really succumbed to the allure of this world. They've, they've uh, been engaging in this dissipation, the drunkenness, the debauchery. And he says they'll find themselves quickly in a trap. And he says you need to wise up. So don't be caught uh, in the trap there. Look at the seventh thing here. He tells us to pray up. Verse 36, but stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. You know, we will not be able to stand before the Son of Man on that day if we're not leaning on God today. I think there's this, there's this thinking in our minds that we think, well, I'll just do it later. I'll just do it later. It'll always be later, 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 later. Um, we learn about Daniel uh, when he was removed from his hometown there, uh, when he was taken captivity from Babylon. And uh, when he was there in Babylon, it says that the king set out a portion of meat for uh, Daniel to eat and all these other uh, young men there to eat. Daniel's about 17 years old. 
And it says that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself with the king's meat. And then later we read about Daniel. He's over there. He's uh, an older man now, probably about 70. He's got his doors of his uh, window open. And he's praying to God, even though there was a thing saying, you're not supposed to be doing this. Well, how did Daniel have the strength to actually stand to do that? Well, it's because way back when he purposed in his heart, I'm going to do this. And so if we are going to be able to stand before the Son of Man in that day, we need to make sure that we are praying today to stand firm. That we don't get caught in traps. That we're being sober, right? That we're not giving ourselves over to other things. Uh, Ephesians 6.18 says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. And so to live in these last days, we need to pray at all times in the Spirit. We need to be praying for one another, praying for our family, praying for you know the body of Christ together, right? We have to be praying. Because he tells us, he says, praying that you may have strength, to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So we need to be praying. Here's the last one here. We need to listen. Look at verse 37. And every day he was teaching in the temple, but at night he went out and lodged on the mount called Olivet. That's why it's called the Olivet Discourse. And early in the morning, all the people came to him in the temple to hear him. If you want to stand firm in the last days, then you need to be make sure that you are nourishing your soul in the word of God, personally and through the teaching of the word of God. You need to make sure that you're getting God's word and it's nourishing you personally. Look, I'm all for, you know, devotions and books and things like that, okay? Nothing wrong with that. But if, if you are relying upon, upon your nourishment of your soul just based upon what some other guy wrote, okay? But you're not digging into Scripture for yourself and you're gleaning from Scripture yourself and you're nourishing your soul yourself, okay? You're, you're, you're going to be very weak. So you need to be digging into Scripture yourself and nourishing yourself, listening to what God says, listening to what Jesus is saying to you, what God is speaking into your heart and into your soul. And we need to be nourishing ourselves up. We need to be listening to what God says. The word of God is truth. The word of God is life. Jesus says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit, they are life. Uh, here in verse number 33, he says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. The word of God is our strength. The word of God is our comfort. The word of God is sufficient for every need. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction and in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. And so it's very important that we are nourishing ourselves in sound doctrine and sound teaching. Reading God's word for ourselves. Uh, because even Paul told Timothy, he says, in the last days there will become those who will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, there, there's going to be people that just going to want to hear what they want to hear. They just want to hear the good stuff. They want to hear all the, all the things that are going to make them feel good, the positive things, right? But God's Word tells us that we need to be alert, and we don't just need to be hearing all the good things. We need to be hearing what God's Word says. We don't need to be listening to the things that just make us feel good, right? 
that don't convict us of our sin, that don't reveal to us that we need to be living righteously before Jesus Christ. So God's word is very clear that we need to be listening up and listening to what God's word says. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church. Thank you.